Carlovians Coping with COVID-19 Across the World Articles by Elizabeth Lee The hospital I work in experienced pressure we never knew existed. Lauren Patton is originally from Tullow and eight years ago she left Carlo to pursue a career in nursing. She works as a stroke specialist nurse in one of London's busiest hospitals and has survived the coronavirus. Here she details what it's like to work on the front line against the pandemic and marvels at people's kindness and generosity in the face of adversity. COVID-19 has been one of the most testing challenges in any healthcare professional's career and without a shadow of a doubt, a life-changing experience. The UK went into lockdown on the 23rd of March, almost two weeks after restrictions were imposed in Ireland. The hospital I work in was experiencing pressures we never knew existed. Challenging patient care, new policies and massive strains on our multidisciplinary teams were soon to be the new norm. Our intensive care staff have had struggles that not many others will ever have to experience. Colleagues told me how physically and emotionally drained they feel. A close friend told me how she held the phone to a young patient's ear and listened to the last conversation he would have with his family. Nothing prepares you for that. On my ward, our staff were adapting and coping as best we could. Unfortunately, a few of our staff tested positive for the virus, including myself. My symptoms started mildly at first. Initially, it felt like a head cold with a lack of energy, fever, shortness of breath and a dry cough. My body ached, I had constant headache, and my sense of smell and taste were non-existent. My partner and I self-isolated because although he did not show any symptoms, we believed he may be a carrier. Thankfully, I did not need any hospital treatment. 18% of the staff on my ward contracted the virus. After self-isolation, I returned to work and was keen to support my colleagues on the front line. By this time, we had seen an increase in cases, but we had systems in place to tackle this. Some of my amazing colleagues had volunteered to relocate to the Nightingale Hospital in the XL Centre a standby hospital with a capacity for 4,000 beds, but thankfully it was not necessary. Lockdown restrictions still exist and new cases arrive every day, but it's slowing massively thanks to the public's efforts for staying at home. Our patients' relatives have been finding it difficult as they cannot visit hospitals. I hope I can reassure people that we are doing our very best to care for their loved ones. We have new guidelines around the use of PPE and it's proving to be useful. The most overwhelming feeling is the kindness and generosity from the public, our family and friends. We receive incredible donations, food parcels and gifts from local restaurants, businesses and the general public. A shout out to my dad, Councillor William Patton, for sending over a big box of essentials when I couldn't get an online delivery while isolating. I've never baked as much in my life. Every Thursday at 8pm, the UK public clap, bang pots and pans and cheer to thank key workers and frontline staff. Although many of us are feeling isolated and unsure of our future, we are all in this together and I am confident we can beat this virus. The virus has claimed the lives of so many friends. John Lowry spent most of his formative years in St. Killian's Crescent, Carlow. His father was the late Paddy Lowry, while his mother Vera recently celebrated her 90th birthday. 
Early in his career, he worked as an apprentice compositor in The Nationalist, and today he lives in Pearl River, New York, where he works in the printing department of a life insurance company. Work pretty much dried up around about two months ago when the coronavirus situation was getting worse, so the vast majority of the employees of the company went on what's called furlough. Basically, that means our medical insurance, pension, social security contributions, service and so forth are all still maintained by the company. We just don't get paid. However, I qualify for the weekly state unemployment fund and the federal government has also introduced a weekly payment to people like me who have been made unemployed or put on furlough, so I have no complaints there. Restrictions here are definitely different than in Ireland. For example, the large hardware gardening stores, similar to Woody's, such as Lowe's and Home Depot, never closed. Masks must be worn to enter and shop, but that's all. It's the same for supermarkets. Also, we have no distance limits such as your 2km or 5km. We're pretty much free to travel where and when we want. I know several people who have recently driven back up here from Florida, from winter homes there, around 1,300 miles or so, depending on where they live in the Sunshine State. Like home, the weather's improving here, and people are pretty much at the end of their patience with isolation and want to get out and return to normality as soon as possible. But unlike home, we're not an island, and have a very dense population demographic in this area. For example, our county, Rockland, is about the size of County Carlow, but the populations of both are vastly different. Rockland has about 323,000 compared with Carlow's 57,000 or so. Obviously, the COVID-19 infection rates here are exponentially much higher than Carlow's, around 13,000 cases. Has Carlow reached 100 yet? Clearly, the percentages of infection populations are staggeringly different. The main effect on me and many others here has been the number of friends we've lost since this began. Within the past month or so, too many have died. I spent four consecutive Fridays sitting outside graveyards watching as hearses carrying good friends drove in, and like at home, we were unable to attend the graveside or sympathise with the families. A few of those deaths were not officially listed as being from the coronavirus, but would have been from a condition caused by it. As for travelling to Ireland, I'm long overdue a trip. I try to get home twice a year to see my mom and sisters, but can't get there at the moment. The saddest part about that was not being able to go home and wish my mom a happy 90th birthday, but thanks to technology we were able to partake from afar. I'm on the phone several times a week to home and also utilise Facebook, WhatsApp and email for communicating. Regardless, I'm really looking forward to getting home as soon as possible for a visit. As for public opinion on how the crisis is being handled here, that's predictable enough. The Republicans support and endorse Trump's handling of it, but the Democrats are critical. If the roles were reversed and a Democrat president was in the White House, the opinion would also be reversed. And while islands like Ireland and New Zealand are doing very well with containment of the spread of the virus, the USA was doomed from the start. The amount of people who fly into the New York-Boston Northeast region on a daily basis is staggering. The general consensus here is that our strain of this virus is a European version which really grew in numbers in January and February with these incoming travellers. 
We can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel here in New York, but are very aware that we're nowhere near ready to return to anything approaching normality. And we don't expect a return to the status quo as we know it for several years, if at all. So far, Aaron Moore is COVID-free. Fiona Glynn is a teacher who's originally from Palatine, Carlo. Two years ago, she and her family, husband Jesse and their children, moved to the island of Aranmore, County Donegal, to see what it was like. Loved it so much, they stayed there. We moved here two years ago when I was pregnant with our third child. We decided that we wanted a change of pace, especially with having three children. My parents, Grania, a retired teacher who taught in Skullvurgon Small in Carlow, and Mike, who was a lecturer in IT Carlow, live here too. We decided to move here during my maternity leave to see what it was like. It just worked out for us. My husband Jesse is a graphic designer who was on an ad on television for the Three Phone Company. A few versions were made, but I'm not familiar with them because we don't have a television. About 450 people live on the island, but during the summer when the Gaeltacht College is open, that could rise to about 2,000. I work in promoting the Irish language on Aranmore, and I'm employed by Uderas na When we were growing up, our parents only spoke Irish to us at home. Our children are Rosha, who's aged seven and a half, five-year-old Shiva, and our baby Fia is a year and a half. Homeschooling? Some days you can get a lot of schoolwork done, but plans have to be flexible. Yesterday they went kayaking and the dolphins were out, so that was lovely. We're so lucky to have this. Our local community centre is run like a co-op, and they run lots of activities such as sailing, kayaking, rock climbing, pilates, yoga, scouts, beekeeping and a kids club. So far, Aaron Moore is Covid-free. As an island, we had a meeting the day before the schools were shut. As a community, we decided among ourselves to have our own lockdown. We put rules into place straight away, like we'd order from the mainland and get what we needed delivered. That way no one had to leave, and the shops on the island are well stocked too. They're the type of place where you can buy anything from cat food and firelighters to glasses and random other things. The summer is what keeps us ticking over, and this year was building up to be the busiest summer ever for us. That's all gone now, but everyone agrees that it's not worth taking risks, and that we should do whatever we can even if it's to save one person from getting it. Not being allowed into each other's houses is a big deal because we usually all drop into each other's homes. And because we have an ageing population, over half of the people here are over 65, we were very clear from the beginning that we did not want COVID to come here. We're fully regulated following the national COVID lockdown rules, so now we can have some outdoor activities like kayaking and sailing. We're still getting a huge amount of deliveries onto the island though. Will we stay here? We're renovating a cottage and we love it here, so it makes sense for us to stay. Aaron Moore has always been home to us. The economy here is well placed to recover. Richard Hennessy, originally from Castle Dermot, lives in Singapore, where he works as an educational psychologist. He's also a founding member of the WhatsApp Singapore Gaeltacht group, 44 members and growing. 
He lives with his partner, Paul, and here he looks at how the local people have coped with the COVID-19 outbreak. Unforeseen opportunities and happenstance brought us to the city-state of Singapore in 2019, and it has been a happy, fruitful and enriching experience. This little island country of 5.6 million people is an exciting, outward-looking, ethnically diverse place with an amazing choice in terms of food and cultural activities. Only fully independent from the British since 1963, Singapore developed from being a third to first world economy in a few decades due to strong leadership, careful investment in infrastructure, industriousness and attracting inward investment. Singapore learned the devastating effects of coronaviruses when it was hit by SARS in 2003, with more than 200 cases and 33 deaths. So when SARS-CoV-2 arrived from China early this year, the Singapore government wasted no time in taking action to try to contain its spread. Hygiene measures, testing and contract tracing worked in limiting community spread. However, the virus infiltrated large purpose-built dormitories for foreign migrant workers and spread like wildfire, requiring circuit breaker measures similar to the lockdowns in Europe. These began at the beginning of April and are set to continue until early June at least. However, some easing of restrictions is due to begin in May. I work as an educational psychologist in a local practice and my partner, an Offaly man, is a professor at the National University of Singapore. We're working from home and the first month of it has been bearable. The food of many nationalities is available on apps for delivery and year-round temperatures in the 30s mean we can walk and exercise in our locality, enjoying the balmy sunshine. We cannot socialise, but local and expat friends get around the restrictions by organising Zoom social nights and WhatsApp quarantine groups. I'm a founding member of the WhatsApp Singapore Gaeltoft group, 44 members and growing. We practice our cupola fuckle and even have the odd recitation or our own. I'm also in regular touch with a cocooned Mammy Hennessy in Castle Dermot via FaceTime. I can see that she's coping well and in good health and she can see how we are doing. Singaporeans remain resilient, resourceful and stoic with the restrictions. Singapore deliberately maintains extensive national reserves of cash on which to draw in times of crisis. So now, employers of locals unable to work from home are receiving government support to continue to pay them. When the restrictions are lifted, the economy is well placed to recover quickly, unencumbered by debt. This saving for a rainy day is something I find very impressive having lived through at least three recessions at home, where we had little put aside and many suffered as a consequence. A Glimmer of Light in Lithuania Article by Brendan Harding Travel writer Brendan Harding from Carlo is living in a stunningly beautiful part of Vilnius, Lithuania, with forests and rivers within the required two-kilometre quarantine zone. It's the start of what should be the busy tourist season in Vilnius and the Lithuanian capital's medieval old town. The city should be humming with a myriad of languages as visitors from every corner of the globe traipse their way through its history-splashed streets. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, tourism has been put on hold for now and businesses have remained shuttered and silent for more than seven weeks. However, thanks to the rapid response of the Lithuanian authorities, 
borders were closed, airports and ferry terminals ceased to operate, people were ordered to stay home, and thanks to the adherence of the Lithuanian people, the country has been spared the sort of scenes being played out in worse affected areas of the world. At the time of writing, Lithuania has seen 1,385 cases of the virus and 45 deaths. With a population of 2.8 million, Lithuania can be proud of its handling of the situation so far. For me, the situation has been bearable. Living in a stunningly beautiful part of the old town, with forests and rivers within the required two-kilometre quarantine zone, fresh air and exercise is easy to access. That's the good part. On the flip side, as my job entails writing for an international travel gifting company, I have witnessed firsthand the effects of the pandemic on the travel industry. In fact, in the past 24 hours, I've been one of the unlucky ones whose job is another victim to the current crisis. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Since the 29th of April, the mayor of Vilnius has allowed the opening of bars and cafes throughout the city, but only for those with outdoor seating areas where access is limited to two people per table. To help establishments without access to outdoor terraces, Mayor Remigius Shimazius has opened the public squares and sidewalks for their use. This move has been such a success that the city has, in effect, been turned into one giant outdoor cafe. How this will affect the spread of the virus remains to be seen, but knowing the Lithuanian people as I do, the laws will be widely respected and perhaps finally we are witnessing a small but hugely welcomed glimmer of hope on the horizon. Stay safe and well. Together we can win this war.